The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In today's sermon, Elder John Morgan Owens takes us to the Garden of Gethsemane and paints us a vivid picture of Jesus agonizing in prayer as he kneels there in the garden. There are so many good lessons from the Garden of Gethsemane, not the least of which is that Jesus loves his children so much that he wants them with him. He doesn't need us. He didn't need angels, but he wants us. And he loves us so much that he went to Calvary to die for us. Join us for this message entitled, Jesus in the Garden. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. We
with me, uh, if you will, to Matthew uh, 26, Matthew chapter 26, and we'll look, uh, begin looking at verse 36. Matthew 26, verse 36. <clears throat> We're going to join uh, Jesus and the disciples there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, again, for like the fourth or fifth message in a row, <laughs> my mind was changed. Uh, this, I, this morning I had something already on my mind out of the book of Deuteronomy and Exodus, and then Brother Chris started preaching on Jesus denying Christ. And something he said referred to the garden, and so I, I've been thinking about that all day long. So, Matthew 26 and verse 36. I'll read this passage here. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Now, I've got to just pause here for a second. Imagine the Lord of glory, your God, is, is having a heavy heart, is sorrowful. You know, we feel sometimes when, when we are in sorrow that, there's, that nobody knows the trouble I've seen, that we... That, that nobody can relate to you and, and your heavy-heartedness. But here is, here is the God of joy, the God of glory, who has, who has uh, you know, submitted himself to having a body of flesh just like us. And here he is, his soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Now, I'm a bit of an exaggerator, you know. I exaggerated that about being a you know, single parent for a few hours, you know, big deal, right? Jesus, however, does not exaggerate. All right? We know he's, he, uh, he tells the truth. And so when he says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death, we know he's, he is really dealing with something. Of course, obviously, we know what he's dealing with. He, he knows what is about to come to him on the cross. He knows the suffering, the agony, the, the bleeding, all that he's going to go through on the cross. But even more than that, he realizes that he is about to have the wrath of God of all, for all of the sins of all of God's people poured out on him. And so, yes, I would say his soul was exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. It's interesting that he's asking these men that he knows is about, he knows they are about to betray him, that he wants them to sit there with him, to watch, and to pray. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Man, what an example of somebody who is so submissive and subservient that even though it may be something that he doesn't want to do, he will commit to it for the Father's sake. Now, what is, what is Jesus talking about here when he talks about this cup? Now, I don't exactly know, but we're going to look at a few different scriptures here in just a minute that help us to understand what he's not talking about. Okay, So many people would say here, here is the humanity of Christ 
showing forth that he, he doesn't want to go to the cross. And I say that is not what's happening. Okay, This is the reason he came here. It's not, he didn't make this decision like I would on a whim, you know. This is not a decision to, uh, to go visit someplace. He made this decision to come here to this world, to die on the cross for your sins before the foundation of the world. And so he's been living this. He is as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This is his moment. This is the moment that he's been waiting for that he is going to go to the cross. So to say that he's sitting here having second thoughts, I, I seriously doubt that, okay? Um, now we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Now this gets me, okay? This convicts me. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can you relate to that? Have you ever been, uh, have you ever been listening to a sermon? And I, I can say that I have, okay? Just, just, to, just to let you know, I'll take one here. Have you ever been listening to a sermon and you just can't stay awake? <laughs> That's been me. Now imagine... Imagine that Jesus is there with you, and he says, I want you to watch, and I want you to pray. And then he goes a little ways off, and he prays to the Lord. And you're waiting on him, and you find that, that sort of cozy spot. You know, maybe you're, you're laying down, you've got your back up against the tree, and you're just waiting, and then you, you, your eyelids start to get heavy, you know. And then Jesus comes back, and he catches you asleep. <laughs> and, and so he says... Could ye not watch with me one hour? He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thou will be done. So he prays this prayer again, and we'll talk a little bit about this. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again. And prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Alright, so a lot going on here. But it's amazing to me that Jesus wants apparently clearly wants these disciples to be awake he wants them to to be praying and and I, i'll save that for later we'll unpack that a little later verse 47 and while he yet spake lo judas one of the twelve came and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. It's almost like some mafia stuff here. He says, I'm going to go up, the person that, that I want you to grab, I'm going to kiss him. You know, that's the guy. And so he goes up and he kissed Jesus, and forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them, now 
Matthew, sweet Matthew, brother Matthew, decided that he would uh, hide the identity of this person who took the sword. Uh, of course, uh, the book of John would not hold any punches. It said it was Peter. Peter was the one that grabbed the sword, okay? But Matthew says one of them, you know, it was, it was one of the other 12. And he took the sword uh, and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Now, I, I seriously doubt that Peter was aiming for the ear, okay? I don't know if, any, if anybody, when you grab a sword and you're trying to, you know, you aim for the ear. No, he, was, he probably just missed. So then Jesus said unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the, the multitudes, Are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you laid no hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures and the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. All right, so very sad uh, event happening here. Jesus, the Messiah, is under arrest, and all of his disciples, even the ones, as, as Brother Chris mentioned this morning, even Peter, who said, I will go all the way with you. No, nothing's going to stop me from being with you. And then just a few men grab hold of him, and then everybody scatters. Everybody's gone. It's Jesus alone. Now, um, I want us to talk about some of the events here in, this, in the garden, the scene in, in the garden. Uh, for one, Jesus is going through something. Obviously, he wants his disciples to be present, to be tuned in. He wants them to be there with him. But does he need the disciples' help? Okay, does, does Jesus need the disciples' help? Okay, no, he doesn't. He, he is going to go to the cross and die for the sins of his people, including you, with or without the disciples. Okay, he is there to pay for sins. Now, as Peter takes up arms and, and uh, swings and misses and takes off the ear of the high priest's servant, what does Jesus immediately say? <laughs> he says, put up your sword. You know, I don't need your help. He said, don't you know that I can at any instant, uh, let's see, in verse 53, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? Okay, Let's unpack that just a little bit. I've shared this with you before in a, in a different message, but uh, he, says, he says more than 12, but let's just say 12 at a minimum. What is a legion? It's about 5,200 uh, troops, so 12 times 5,200 uh, 5, is 62,400. Now, he's, uh, keep in mind, he said more than 12 legions. Remember, in 2 Kings chapter 19, there's this instance where one angel comes down from heaven and overnight slays 185,000 Assyrians. All right, so what's 185,000 
times 62,400, it's like 11.5 billion. Okay, so just imagine this. What, what Jesus is saying is that, Peter, don't you know, don't you know that I could call down right now, at any point, I could call down angels that would be able to dispatch 11.5 billion people like that. That's, that's like double the, the current population of the world. Okay, so does, does Jesus need Peter's help? Uh, no, and he doesn't need my help either. He doesn't need your help. Um, let's go also to John 18. I think you'll see that he doesn't even need the angel's help either. John 18, and, and we'll begin around verse 4, we'll see another, uh, another perspective on this same event. Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, unto this crowd that's come to, uh, to arrest him, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. Notice the significance of that phrase. I am. You know, the, the, the power, the name of God. I am. He says, I am he. And Judas also, which portrayed him, stood with them. As soon then, as he has said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. All right, so Jesus, the power of his voice in saying this, whatever, whatever command or whatever power he put into those words or whatever he did, it, it blew these people back and knocked them off their feet. And so, so then when they come and they arrest him, it's not as if they have now overpowered, you know, your God. You know, this tells me, uh, that and the, and the angels and many other things, it tells me that what, come, what follows after this, Jesus' arrest, Jesus' um, mockery of trials, the three different jurisdictions that he goes into and all this mess and, uh, and, and the, the beating and the crucifixion, all of that, that that was something that he willingly stepped into, okay? Because if by the power of his own voice and just saying, I am he, and it blows people off their feet, okay? That sort of person isn't just captured, okay? That sort of person isn't killed. That God isn't killed. He submits to it, all right? So everything that follows, all of the beating, all of the, the being betrayed by his disciples, all of these things the Lord submits to. Remember, he is the Lamb, as it were slain before the foundation of the world. This is the covenant that He made with Himself in the Trinity before we even sinned, as He knew what we would do, okay? As He looked upon you, seeing not with, that you would do some great thing that would make you lovable, but seeing you as you are, seeing you as, as the criminal, as the sinner that you are, He said, I love you, all right? And so all that follows he is doing because he wants to make you. He wants to make you beautiful. He wants you to be his and to purchase you. So did Jesus need the disciples? No. Did he need the angels? No. He, he, in just speaking, he blew these people back. Now also remember another time that he, was, that he said something uh, he said something just outrageous and blasphemous. You know, the truth sometimes will make people mad. <laughs> the truth will, will offend people. 
You know, I, I never thought, honestly, never thought that I would, would uh, live to see a day where the truth of, some, of, of the gender that you were born as being something that would be controversial, that that, 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 would be, that, that simple truth would be something that if you said it, will get people very, very mad. But Jesus is coming and he's telling the truth about who he is. He is the Son of God. And people thought that was blasphemy. And so what they did, at least at one occasion, they, they took him up to, to the edge of a cliff and they were, they were just about to throw him headlong off the cliff. And then what happened? It says, and Jesus just passed through the midst of them. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know. I don't know if Jesus did some, you know, uh, something like this. I don't know if, if uh, you know, if he just like, you know, ninja disappeared or something. I don't know what happened. I just know that they could not throw him down. <laughs> you know, they had him pinned up and everything, and then he's just gone. You know, he was not going to die until it was his time, and he would not be killed until he laid it down. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Let's continue here in John 18. <clears throat> um, then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. Your, your Savior is, is an intercessor, okay? Jesus is an intercessor. He's a mediator. Even here at this time when he, is, uh, he knows what's about to come, he is, he is interceding for the, the lives of his disciples. Okay, He says, let them go. You, you want me, take me. That the saying might be fulfilled which he spake, of them which thou gavest me have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, uh, there we go, John uh, rats him out. Uh, it was Simon. Uh, and it wasn't just any Simon, because there were several Simons in the bunch. This was Simon Peter, okay? Having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. I love this. It says, it gives you the name of this person. Now keep in mind that at the time that this was written, it was, I don't know, Brother Buddy, uh, 50 years, 60 years or so after the events, uh, some of these people would have still been alive. You know, if you wanted to, you could go and you could find uh, somebody who was in the employ of the high priest, one of the servants, and you could find the one whose name was Malchus, and then you could go up to him directly, and you could ask him, hey, did your ear get cut off, and did Jesus put your ear back on? And he could tell you, yes. <laughs> right? So that's one of the beautiful things that you, know, you see the names in Scripture. They're not just there for no reason. It, it boosts the credibility of Scripture. Much like uh, you know, the, the book of Luke and the book of Acts that we believe was, was um, comprised, was put together by Luke, inspired by God, of course. He went around and he asked people, eyewitness testimony, and recorded, because he didn't witness, he didn't witness the events that happened in, in the Gospel of Luke, but he talked to eyewitnesses that did and, and compiled their, their stories. He says that in, in the book. And so you have credibility there. And so uh, it was Peter. Uh, he took the, high, the, the sword, cut the high priest's servant, uh, servant's ear off, Malchus's ear off. Uh, then said Jesus unto Peter, 
put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Okay, so going back again to the prayers of Jesus. Jesus is praying this to, the, to his heavenly father, to his father. He says, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thou will be done. Okay, so this cup that he's talking about, this is not him, as I said before, this is not him uh, trying to wiggle out of going to the cross. Because here, immediately following this, as Peter takes up arms to, to try to deliver him from going to the cross, what does Jesus say? He says, put up your sword. Your sword. Uh, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? He said, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> This is exactly why Jesus came, was to do this, was to go through this death for you. And so, he's going to go through with it. Then the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first. And he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. All right, so this, this um, uh, gospel gives us a, a, little, a little more insight into uh, what's going on here. Now let's go to one more place. He says here in Luke uh, 22 and verse 35, now this is, this is uh, right before this is what Brother Chris was talking about this morning. And the Lord said in verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. That's a chilling statement. Um, but also, in a, in a way, as Brother Chris mentioned, encouraging that your God knows about you. <laughs> and not only that, but he knows what the enemy's doing. He, he, he knows uh, what's going on. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I mentioned earlier that you have an intercessor in heaven. You have somebody who is constantly interceding. Now, can you even fathom that, that Jesus Christ, that the darling of your heavenly Father, that, that the person who spoke this world into being, the God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the person that every knee is going to bow down to, <laughs> that that person is in heaven right now, and he is interceding for you in prayers, praying to your heavenly Father, for your needs, that your faith fail not. And, and he says that he's interceding. He's interceding with groanings which cannot be uttered. You, you realize that, that he is praying for you in a sweeter language than any, man, than any tongue of man could ever say. And he's praying for you constantly, interceding for you. He says down here in verse 35, he said unto them, when I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked you anything? And they said nothing. There was a time when Jesus sent the disciples out by twos and, and, and gave them power to heal and power to uh, minister and things such as that. And he says, don't take anything with you. I want you to go with the clothes you have on and just go. It was, a, it was an exercise to them on, on walking by faith on realizing that God will provide your needs. And then he says right after that, Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, 
and likewise his scrip. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Okay. So Jesus here says to them, as, as he's coming up to the, to the instance in the garden, he says, now we're in a time where you need to take everything you have and you need to sell it and you need to buy a sword. Okay? All right. So, for I say unto you that this is, that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors. Talking about when Jesus was up there on the cross between two thieves, he was reckoned with the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. That, that their, their time together is coming short. Okay, their time, their time together in his physical ministry is coming short. It's coming to an end. And so he says that the time has come when you need swords. Okay, Now, you've got to think there's 12 disciples. Um, you know, who knows how many other followers he had going around with them. And, and they take a quick inventory, verse 38, and they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. All right, so you've got 12 uh, disciples, and they, between all of them, they find two swords. I, I would say, based on Jesus' teaching just then, their ratio is not high enough. You know, they need more swords to people ratio, okay? However, what does Jesus say as they say, Master, we've got two swords? He said, it is enough, Okay. So, if Jesus' speech was sell everything you have and buy swords, and, on, and between 12 of them they only have two swords, what does that let you know, okay? And he says, that's enough. It, it lets me know it's not about the swords, okay? It's not about the physical swords, because what happens in just, just a few hours is that when Peter takes up one of the two swords that they had and uses it, Jesus immediately tells them to put the sword away. And, and reverses the impact of that sword. Okay, so Jesus is not talking about us doing physical battle. You know, so many people thought that the Messiah coming was going to be a, a, a militant person, somebody who would overthrow the Romans. But, but Jesus came, and he didn't overthrow in that way, but he, he turned the world on its head in another way. And so... Coming, to, coming down into the garden. Let's, let's keep reading. In verse 39, And he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. All right, so that's what he was telling his disciples as he wanted them to stay, to pray with him, to stay awake and to pray. He says, Pray that you enter not into temptation. I believe... This is what he's talking about. Or one of the applications of what he's talking about when he says you need to buy swords. Okay? You are in spiritual warfare. Okay? It's not, it's not like you're just sitting dormant. Okay? Think about how you spend your time every day. You know, the way that you spend your time is, is, a, is, is a, a large degree where the battlefield of the spiritual warfare is. Okay. Now imagine that you've got an opportunity to study the Word. I'll speak from personal experience. You've got, you've got a little time where you can study the Word. Maybe you even grab your Bible. And then all of a sudden, you decide, I'm going to do this instead. Okay. Now what's happening there is you were 
giving in to temptation. You haven't sold everything you had to buy that sword (laughs) to do battle in that spiritual warfare. And so you were entering into temptation. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen if you're not prayed up, as they say? (laughs) When temptation comes along, you will fall victim to it. Okay? Now, as we close out this uh, message, on just some of the thoughts on what's going on in the garden, I want to return again to Jesus coming and finding his disciples sleeping. Now, we, I think we've made it pretty clear, not that we had to, but I think we did, that Jesus didn't need his disciples. He didn't need, he didn't need the angels even. Jesus was self-sufficient, is self-sufficient still. He doesn't need you. But here's the deal, okay? This is the thing that blows me away, okay? Just like Jesus, when he blew those people off their feet, this is what blows me away, is that Jesus doesn't need you, but he wants you, okay? He wants you. And so when Jesus is going off and praying, and he asks his disciples to stay and to pray, and he comes back, look, this is, he's in agony. And he wants his disciples there with him. He wants his friends there with him. Now, had the disciples known, put yourself in their position, and imagine that you're there in the garden, and and Jesus is there, and you're you're a little sleepy. Imagine, see, they they probably thought that this was just another day. They were going to have years more of, of being with him. Now, had they known, had they known that this was some of the last minutes that they would spend with their Savior, with their, with their Master. Uh, you know, He would obviously, He would come back, He would return after, after coming back from the grave, and He would spend some time with them in, in His, uh, you know, visiting them. But this was the last minutes that they would see Him before He would accomplish the redemption of His people. Don't you think if you knew that, that you would you would be able to stay awake a little better. <laughs> I think I would. And look, Jesus is not, uh, Jesus is not uh, changing. This is not the last minutes that you'll have with Jesus here in your life. Okay, thank the Lord that because of what he did on the cross, you will have eternity with him. But imagine, imagine tomorrow, for instance, and later tonight, that you take time to visit with him because Look, he wants to visit with you. That's what Jesus was doing in the garden. Them, them praying is not gonna, it's not really gonna help him anymore, but he wants to visit with them. He wants their the, the comfort of their presence. He wants to be with them. He wants to be with you. Can you believe that? That the God of glory wants to be with you. He wants your visitation. He wants you to visit with him. Um, you know. I've, I've been thinking, speaking of, of Brother Cal back there, um, he said, you know, bless his heart, he's had such a tough day without Mama here. Um, <laughs> but I, I've been thinking about him when I think about this passage because there's times when, I, you know, I come home and I'm tired and really all I want to do is I want to I take a nap on the couch while he's sitting on the floor playing. But it, it's come to my mind in those times that there's going to come a time you know, years from now, maybe not so long from now, that I'm going to look back 
on, on this little time when he's playing on the floor and long like everything to be back there, <laughs> to, to see him, you know, trying to walk around and babbling and whatever. I just want to, I know that I'm going to want to be there. And so I think about that when, when the flesh is weak, right? And I, I, I want to, I want to just lay down and then I, I remind myself, I want to visit with him and I want him to have memories with me. You know, of me being engaged with him, you know. And then I think about that the same way with my parents. Is, you know, I'm the youngest, so when I left the home, I left them with an empty nest. And I think about uh, how much they probably, as well as I do, crave fellowship with them and with each other. And how they want to, they want to see me. Now, think about that with your Savior, okay? Now, obviously, Jesus, he's not, he's not changing. He's not growing. He's not going to be different tomorrow. He's the same every day. But Jesus wants your visitation. He wants to visit with you. And you know how easy it is to visit with him? <laughs> is that you can visit with him right now in your prayers. You can, you can visit with the God of glory. And he is sitting, waiting, <laughs> hoping to spend time with you. Um... That's a humbling thought that the King of Kings wants to spend time with you. And the more time you spend with him, uh, <laughs> the happier you'll be. Brother Cal needs some time with Jesus right now is what it sounds like. And the more time you spend with him, the happier you'll be. And, and the more encouraged you'll be. And the more resilient you'll be in the midst of darkness. And as Jesus said to them... <laughs> He said, pray that you enter not into temptation. I don't know what would have happened had those disciples stayed awake and been engaged and been praying and, and, and uh, been there when the Lord came back to minister to his needs. But I, I have a feeling that they probably wouldn't have, have run off uh, deserting him, screaming off in the woods or whatever they did. So uh, a lot of things going on in that garden uh, but what stuck out to me was the fact that Jesus, even though he didn't need those disciples, was so wanting them to be engaged with him. And he wants you to be engaged with him. I hope that's an encouragement to you. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.